we will continue our walk through the book of James, looking at faith that walks. Three weeks ago, our pastor went through how we could have joy in tough times. The week before that, he went through the ironies of life. Last week, I spoke about who to blame for my temptation. And I will continue today by talking about how we can deal with anger. How do we deal with anger? Before I can actually address that, there are three things that I would like to make clear. The first question I want to address is, is it a sin to be angry? I'll answer that later. Secondly, I would like to know why we get angry. And since we are speaking to Christians, because the book of James was speaking to Christians, and predominantly I am speaking to Christians today, I would like to address why we Christians get angry. And then finally, I would like us to look at how to deal with our anger. What is it that I can do when I find myself angry, that I will still continue to give God glory, even in my anger. And believe you me, brethren, it is not an easy task. So then, what is anger? Anger is an emotional response. It is natural, and each and every one of us will, at one point or the other, get angry. Yeah? All of us will. You can't get away from that. As long as you have breath in you, and as long as you are in a society where there's other people around you, you will get angry. Now, how I deal with my anger, that's a different matter altogether. Children get angry even when they're in a pram. You can see this because they get their toys or their dummy, whatever, and they throw it out the pram. Teenagers get angry. We know this because they slam the door, they stomp up the stairs and all the rest of it. And sometimes I think that teenagers are always angry. But we as grown-ups, we get angry too, right? Even pastor. Pastor, do you get angry? Okay. So if pastor can get angry, and I can get angry... And Jesus himself got angry. It tells me that all of us will get angry. But not only is it a natural emotion, normally we get angry because we are unhappy about something. Now, it is possible to be angry and still maintain my Christ-like behavior. In other words, there's something that rises within us that will tell me either to run away or to start to fight. Now, if my life is in danger, of course I'm going to want to fight or to run to preserve my life. But then we sometimes get angry because somebody criticizes us. I'll come back to that a bit later. Now, experts will tell us that being angry is not just a state of one's mind. In other words, they say that because certain physical changes happen within us when we are angry, there's this thing called adrenaline. And adrenaline is something that's released in our bodies that tells me or it gives me a, a burst of energy that I can run away or I can stand up and fight. It makes me feel that I'm actually bigger than this thing that is standing in front of me. 
The problem is that when I am constantly in that state, the adrenaline is not doing what it's meant to do. But they also say that our heart rate increases. And you will probably know this for yourself. Whenever you're angry, you can hear your heart going boom, 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 boom. I don't know about you, but mine does. So if my heart is constantly going boom, 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 obviously I am not in a good place. And if we don't address these things, then we will find ourselves in danger. So it's not just Christians at large that have to be careful about how they deal with anger, but whole of society. Because if I'm angry in my workplace, I will not behave the same way as I will when I'm angry at home because I don't want to lose my job. So although everybody gets angry and we all respond differently to our anger, we have to learn to control our anger. So the question that all Christians wants to know, is it a sin to be angry? My answer is N-O, no. And because I'm a Christian, I'm taking all of my guidance from the word of God. Now, the Bible tells me in Ephesians 4.26, be angry and sin not. That clearly tells me that I can be angry. Now, I don't want you to walk away from here saying, you know what? That preacher today, that Veronica today, say it's good to be angry. It's not good to be angry. But what I'm saying is, if you find yourself angry, then it's okay. You don't have to sin because you are angry. So then, when does anger become a sin? Firstly, when my anger is about revenge rather than the situation. Matthew 5.22 tells us that everyone that is angry with his brother shall be subject to the judgment. Now, this was at the Beatitudes, and Jesus was talking to a whole group of people, loads of them. We call them the multitudes. And the verse before, Jesus said, you all know that it's a sin to kill somebody. Yeah, we all know that. But then Jesus took it one step further and he said, but anybody that is angry with his brother. Now, I might be angry with you or about the situation. But once that situation has passed, then my anger should also pass. But what tends to happen, the situation passes But because you made me feel that small, I now need to take revenge on you. And so my anger hasn't cooled down. In fact, it flares up. And this is when anger becomes a sin. The other time that anger becomes a sin is when it is unduly cherished. Ephesians 4.26 says, Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Now, In one of the commentaries, I think it was Burkett's, and he said that back in the days, there was a practice that was done by the heathens and not by the Christians. Now, the heathens believed that if they went to bed angry, then they would be sleeping with the devil and not with their spouse or whoever. But the Christians didn't see it that way. What does that mean? It means that whenever I find myself angry with a person, husband, wife, children, it's not, you're going to sleep in the spare room. It's not that at all. What we ought to do is to settle our differences before we go to bed. 
Now, I used to work for a particular organization doing bereavement counseling. And one of the things that comes up time and time again is when the last thing they remember saying is, get lost, or I hate you, or whatever. Grief in itself is difficult. But if you have to put the fact that the last thing you said to that person was something negative, that's going to play on your mind for a very long time. So why then do we do this? Because my pride has been hurt. The other time that anger becomes a sin is when it has been motivated by pride. I'll talk about that a bit later. Why then do us Christians get angry? Well, I will say we're in danger. Driving along on the M6 and some silly person will kind of cut me up. I have to slam on my brakes. I may even slam on the horn. And then I say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that I didn't hit that silly person who just cut in front of me. And thank you, Lord, that the person behind me didn't hit into me because I slammed on the brake. At this moment, no sin has been committed. But then... See how you like it. Why my window down? The danger has already gone. But because I am hurting, I now need to tell this silly driver whatever it is that I'm thinking of him. It is at this point that sin has been committed because there was absolutely no need. The person had gone on about their business. I wasn't hurt. The person behind me wasn't hurt. Leave it at that. You're walking across the road with a young child and the little child takes their hand out of yours and run across the road. You shout at this child, that's fine. You get home, that's a different matter. Now you can't slap that child in public, but you get home and it's, never do that again. You hear me? Was that necessary? Why not? Dear, what you did was a very silly thing. Don't you think so? Another car could have come and hit you then what would have happened? We sometimes don't need to react the way we do when we are faced with a particular situation. My pride, as I said before, has been hurt. In Church of God, this usually presents itself in something called criticism. None of us, if we are human and if we are real and honest, none of us like being criticized. Do you? I don't, I'll be honest. But if I do something wrong, I want you to correct me. But definitely not in front of the whole church. Uh Uh-uh, don't like that. Take me aside. Call me, Veronica. What you did wasn't very good, blah, blah, blah. I'll listen to you. The other way we do it is, Phil, did you see what Veronica did the other day? Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Phil comes back and he says, Veronica, pastor said, blah, 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 blah. Now I'm using these two because I know they do not behave like that. Now my pride is hurt. I'm hurting. And this is what I will say. We have a choice. I can retaliate and behave badly. But because I know 
that I am not perfect. I know I am going to make mistakes. So when somebody criticizes me, listen to what is being said. If they said five things, one of those things might be true. Address that thing that is true and let the other four things go by. We don't need to behave in the way that we tend to behave when our pride is being hurt. Amen. And then, when I cannot achieve my goal, whatever that goal may be, and if you work in a public sector, you will probably identify with this. We work eight hours a day. You may get an hour for lunch. You may get 30 minutes. And you have to do X, Y, and Z day in and day out because that is your job title. But then somebody from above says, you got to do this. And then somebody says, you got to do that. And somebody, you got to do the other. And so you're thinking, how on earth am I going to do all of these things? I have some choices. I can do what my colleagues do and phone in sick the next day just so that I can get on with this stuff at home. No, I can't do that because that's lying. The only time we should be falling in sick is when we are sick in bed and unable to go into work. I can go into work, slam the doors and take it out on everybody else around me. But what is that going to achieve? Very little. Or I can be very disobedient, very pig-headed and say, I'm not doing it. You didn't give me enough time to do it. So if everybody else wants to do it, that's up to them. But I ain't doing it. Where is the Christ-like attitude in all of that? Sometimes we have to step back from the situation, look at what is being asked of us and ask God for wisdom and how to deal with whatever it is that we need to deal with. A couple of weeks ago, in fact, around about September last year, I switched my energy provider. And every single time there's a meter read, there's an issue. In the summer of last year, I had a smart meter fitted. With my old provider, they just read the information, send my bill, everything's hunky-dory. So at Easter, I get an email saying, your bill is, it was 65, no, February, I got an email saying, you owe us 200 pounds on top of my monthly direct debit. I said, okay, it was cold and... Everybody knows that my house is warm. So I paid the 200 pounds, no issues. A month later, they sent me another bill saying, it's now changed from 65 pounds a month to 160 pounds a month. I went, what? So I got on the phone and I said, sorry, but this is not right. Oh, Mrs. Patmore, we have an estimated reading. Can you send us the normal readings? So I rang through two days later. Oh, your reading is inconsistent with what we have on the system. Every single time you ask me for a reading, this happens. Send me another reading for one whole week. So I did all this to and fro. Every single day of the holiday, I was ringing up this provider trying to sort this out. I was fuming, really fuming. This is how to be angry and not to sin. So I did everything they wanted me to do. And it seems that this person put something on the computer, that person put something else on the computer, but this person didn't read what that person put on. So I was so vexed. I said, why don't you just take the smart meter out? We can't do that. Government legislation won't allow us. 
Well, why don't you give me a new smart meter that you can read? Well, we're not going to your area until about December of this year. I said, what? It's only April. Now, I'm getting vexed, really, really heated. I called up and I said, I need this sorted out. I am going to stop my direct debit and I'm not going to pay anything more until it's sorted out. Somebody else gets on the phone. I said, why don't you just look at all the notes on the system? She goes away, she comes back. She said, okay, Mrs. Patmore, this is what we'll do. We are going to put a block on your account. We're going to send somebody else out and they're going to give you a new meter. I said, okay, thank you. Then she said, oh, but if you don't need a new meter and it is your problem and not our problem, we're going to charge you a hundred pounds. I said, this is really unfair. But I agreed because there's no way, even with the temperature of my house, that I can be burning 160 pounds a month in fuel. No way. There was one point in all of that that I wanted to slam the phone down. And it was at the point where this person wasn't reading what that person was doing. And in my heart, my heart was thumping. And I was just, I was this far from just hitting the red button. And it's like something just said, but Veronica, if you do that, it's not going to get resolved. And sometimes as Christians, that's what we do. My goal is to keep warm, but I know that I've got to pay for what I'm using. But what they're asking is beyond the point. How then do I deal with my anger? Firstly, I need to know my triggers What is it that's going to trigger me? Now, my triggers are going to be different to your triggers because we are all individuals. I get angry personally when I'm really frustrated. If you ask me to do something, I will do it the best of my ability. If you withdraw from me the things that I need to do what I have to do, it's going to frustrate me. So when you keep coming to me and say, I am going to get angry. But I then need to go away And say to the Lord, what can I do about this thing? And that is where we at times have the problem. We don't always consult our Lord about how we ought to deal with certain things. Sometimes we feel powerless. Sometimes we feel as though nobody's listening to us. Sometimes we feel that we've been ill-treated. Now, what I'm going to ask each and every one of us to do, because your triggers are different to my triggers, when you go home, After you've had your meal and before you do whatever it is that you would usually do, get your phone or get pen and paper and write down all of your triggers, all of the things that make you angry. Because the fact is, I cannot change anybody's behavior. I can only change mine. And I can't even do that by myself. I need the grace of Almighty God to do that. The second thing, I need to know my warning signs. Because we're all different, we will all respond differently. So my heart will go, and I know I'm starting to get angry. For some people, they, their hands will go hot and clammy. Some would actually clench their fists. Some would start to stammer. 
Some might feel their chest getting really, really tight and they feel as though they can't breathe. It doesn't matter what your signs are. You need to know what they are. And do not ignore those signs. Because if we ignore the signs, we will not be able to respond appropriately. Respond appropriately. What is that all about? Well, you see, the book of James tells us, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Now, the wherefore is connecting this verse with what we spoke about last week. One of the last things that we said last week is, because God is good, and because he is perfect, every good and perfect gift comes from God. Now, I'm going to connect that to what we're talking about today. And because every good and perfect gift, including our emotions, come from God, we all have to be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. We know the saying that we have two ears and one mouth. And therefore, we should listen more and speak less. We've heard that before, right? But I want us to look at it from a slightly different angle. When I wake up in the morning, I don't say to my ears, ears, start listening for sounds. My ears are already open, and therefore, unless we are deaf or hard of hearing, we will automatically hear all the sounds around us. Right now, you're not saying to yourself, listen, ears, listen, ears. You're not. It's an automatic response. Now, there are times when I'm at work, and they may want to say something, and they will say, V, close your ears. So I will literally take my fingers and push them as close as I possibly can so that I don't hear what they're about to say because I believe that it's either going to offend me or it's going to irritate me. So my ears are always open and I have to deliberately make a choice when to close my ears. Now, when we get angry, we somehow close our ears to what is being said. I don't put my fingers in my ears deliberately when I'm angry, but this is what happens. Anton is shouting at me, and I'm going to shout right back at him because I want him to hear what I have to say. No, 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 no. Yes, 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 yes. You're going to do it. You're going to do it. Yes. Thank you. Okay. What did Anton tell me? What did I tell Anton? That is exactly what happens when we're arguing. And when we argue, it's a response to our anger. You're shouting at me, and my defense mechanism is to shout right back at you. Okay, now this is the reason why I don't like shouting, because it hurts my voice. But if I'm shouting at you, 
I have my fingers in my ear and I'm not listening to you. But the mouth, the tongue is slightly different. Look at the icon. The tongue, a very small member, is hidden behind not one row, but two rows of teeth. That tells me that the tongue needs to be guarded. I cannot allow my tongue... I cannot allow my tongue to rule over me. So the teeth is there in place to keep it stumped. Now, when I find myself in an argument or find myself angry, what I am supposed to do, listen to what the other person is saying. Sometimes we pour fuel on the argument because we're making assumptions And the assumptions that we're making wasn't even part of what they were saying. So if I took the time out to listen, and I took the time out to clarify whatever it is that Anton was saying, and I didn't jump to any conclusions, then I would be in a position to make the comment that I want to make. So I need to listen I need to understand what is being said before I engage my tongue in the conversation. Amen. But then, it depends on how I speak. Now, I can say the same thing, and I can say it two or three different ways. Exactly the same words, louder or with an attitude. Neither of which is going to put the other person to calm down. Because if you give me attitude, I'm going to give you attitude. If you shout, I'm going to shout. So what Proverbs is saying, that a soft answer will turn away wrath. James is saying that once we have listened and then engage our mouth, the wrath will be subsided. In other words, I'm no longer pouring fuel onto it, but I'm pouring water to kill it. Amen. He goes on to say, For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness, and that word, of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. The wrath of man, in other words, we have to deliberately make a conscious effort to remove the pre-conversion's attitude. When I came to Christ, I came with all of my sin, all of it, including the bitter fruit of pride, aggression, malice, whatever you want to call it. And this is me. For ease, I'm going to call this arm an apple tree. Yep. And on this apple tree, I have sour apples. You can't see it, but just use your imagination. Now, what James is saying, 
That once we have laid aside all of these things, we receive with meekness the engrafted word. What does engrafted mean? So the good farmer, he doesn't want to chop down the apple tree because it took many, many years for it to grow. So he gets an instrument and he makes a cutting inside the bark of the tree. Note, not on the branches, but on the bark, because the life flows from the bark. Amen. And then he gets a sapling of a sweet apple tree, and he engrafts it. He puts it into the bark of the sour apple tree. Thank you. Now, after a while, you cannot tell the difference between the sour apple or the sweet apple. But when you go and you pick that fruit and you eat that fruit, it is no longer giving you sour apples, but it is giving you sweet apples. What does that mean, Veronica? It simply means this. When we came into Christ, into faith, into Christianity, whatever label you want to call it, we came the way we were. Some of us were vile and some of us were not so vile, but ultimately we came the way we were. But then it took the word of God. And so God had to open my heart and place his word inside of my heart. And at that point, he can start to work with me. Amen. And as he's working in me, all of this bitterness and anger and all of these things that's within me begins to be addressed. So when I get angry now, you don't hear the boom, 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 boom and see the vexation of spirit and etc. But what you see is the Holy Spirit in operation within me. So I can be angry and not sin. But the problem happens. This apple tree sometimes, for whatever reason, and I'm not a gardener, so I can't tell you the reasons. But sometimes it rejects the engrafted sapling. So the tree will continue to bear sour apples. And sometimes that is us in the house of the Lord. We reject the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And so I continue to bear fruits of the flesh. The bitterness, the anger, all of these negative things. So I cannot deal with my anger in a positive way. Because when the Holy Spirit says, Veronica, no, I'm going to say, just give me two minutes, Holy Spirit. Just two minutes, that's all I need. That's how we are at times. James says that we need to receive the engrafted word of God. Because it is only the word of God that will save our soul, that will save my soul. According to the way that I behave and manage or don't manage my anger, will determine whether or not my situation is resolved or whether it escalates and becomes worse. So I conclude. Anger is only sinful when it's motivated by malice or hatred or pride and when it is prolonged, 
when I allow this thing to simmer and simmer and simmer. Some of the times, one of the things that we do is we walk away from a situation because we're angry, but then we don't go back and we don't deal with it. And then something else happens and I walk away from that and I don't deal with that. And something else happens and it's a bit like a pressure cooker, you know, And we blow. But the thing is, when we blow, it's too late. I can't correct it. So when I come to you and I want to share the gospel with you, you're going to look at me and say, that's what you think. You're such a hypocrite. How can you tell me this, that, and the other when that's the way you behave? And that's what's happening, brethren. That's exactly what is happening. And this is why James was being clear in how we ought to deal with our anger. Not just anger, but anything in our lives. When we're in danger, when our pride has been hurt, when we cannot achieve the goals that has been set before us, we become angry. And the only way that we can deal with our anger is by going back to the word of Almighty God. Society will talk to you about this, that, and the other. And a lot, if you ever went to an anger management course or seek a counselor because you've got anger issues, nearly everything that I've said, if you just rub out the Bible verses, these are the things that they will tell you. So why do we need to go to the counselor per se who knows not God and cannot connect the steps that they're giving you with the word of God, when we have the counselors right here in the house of God that will give you the same steps and back it up with the word of God. And it is the word of God that saves our soul. So we need to address our triggers. We need to look out for the warning signs. And then we need to take appropriate action that will curb our anger positively. In other words, make a conscious effort to do what James 1, 19 says. I, Veronica Patmore, will be ready to hear. I may not like what I'm hearing. And it's true. Sometimes words are harsh And sometimes the words are hurtful. Somebody once said that sometimes words can be like rubbing salt into a wound. Yes, it will hurt. If you have a tiny little paper cut, you're doing something with salt and some salt get into it, that thing will sting like crazy. But you know what? It also heals that cut. So when people say negative things, Look for the positive that might be in the negative. Because you see, a lot of times people say negative things to hurt us, to wound us, to make us feel this small. But God takes every bad and he turns it around for good. So I'm going to look for the good out of whatever it is that you have to say. And when I find that good, I'm going to ask the Lord, please help me to address this thing. For our younger folks, back in the day when there was no fridge freezer and people went and they killed the animal, whether it was pig or whatever it is, 
what they would do is they would get the salt and they would rub it into the meat. And what they would then do is put that meat in the cupboard and that meat is not going to go off. Why? Because the salt is preserving it. The words at times will preserve us if and only if we allow the word to preserve us. But when I take on a negative attitude, it cannot. So I, Veronica, will be ready to hear, slow to speak, and automatically it will be slow to anger. I'm going to ask you please to stand with me and to make this declaration. I will be ready to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Let's do that again, please. I will be ready to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Thank you. If you are here this afternoon, and you know that you are struggling with anger issues, there's two things I would like to say. One, we would like to pray with you because I believe that there's absolutely nothing that God cannot do. There's no emotion, no problem, no situation that God cannot address. But secondly, we have got Christian counselors and I am sure that they will spend the time with you to help you address some of those issues. Now, you may feel a little embarrassed, and I can understand that. But what I will say is this. We are shamed or made ashamed sometimes of, because of our negative behavior. And I would put my hand up and say, sometimes it hurts me as an individual when I see us behaving in certain ways. And I'm being honest, brethren. But what hurts me even more is that when the opportunity is being given for us to address those things, we don't. The other prayer I would like to do this afternoon is if you find yourself going through some difficulties, yes, you have asked the Lord about it before, but let us pray with you. And the third and final, if you're sat here today and you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've heard about him, people spoken to you about him, but you don't know him for yourself. Again, come, let us pray with you. God bless you. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the stillness of this moment. We thank you that we can find you in the stillness because you are the Prince of Peace. Lord, I thank you that you've given us everything, Lord God, profitable for life and godliness. 
Lord, you've given us your word, and your word is truth. Lord, and it's meat to our flesh and strength to our bones. It's, It's clarity to our confusion. It's peace to our turmoil. Lord, it's love in the places where we need it most, God. Lord, as your sons and daughters, Lord God, have come forward, you know, Lord God, every reason, every circumstance, Lord God, every matter of the heart. Lord, and I thank you that right now you're ministering by your Holy Spirit. Lord, that even now amongst your congregation that you're rewiring hearts and minds and, Lord, you're creating new neurological pathways, oh God, Lord, that, hallelujah, that will create a difference, Lord God, Lord, that we won't react, Lord God, in the same ways that we've reacted before. Lord, your word is performing surgery, oh God, Lord, the sword of your word is performing surgery right now because you are the great physician. Lord, I thank you that you are applying the balm of Gilead, O God, Lord, to those places which are tender and bruised and hurt. Lord God, I thank you, God, that you are resolving offense even right now, Lord God. Lord, that somebody's going to leave this place and make that phone call, Lord God. They're going to make that apology. They're going to release that person. Lord, and in so release themselves, oh God, Lord, and release healing and release strength and release power and release your peace, Lord God, over their lives, oh God. Lord, I thank you that in this moment strongholds are broken. I thank you that in this moment, oh God, Lord, hallelujah, that yokes are being broken off right now in the name of Jesus. Ah, we thank you, God. We thank you for the still small voice that speaks to our hearts even now and reminds us, oh God, Lord, of issues that need to be resolved and dealt with, Lord God. We don't want to be like that pressure cooker that blows, oh God, Lord, and we become a poor witness, Lord God, to your name. Lord, but we want to be effective witnesses, oh God. We want to walk in peace. We want to walk, Lord God, we want to walk good with other people in harmony with our fellow man. Lord, so we thank you, Lord God. If there is a life that has come today, Lord, a soul, Lord, that has come and just given their lives over to you, Lord God, surrendered to you, Lord God, we pray, Lord God, by your Holy Spirit, that you just wrap yourself around their hearts and their minds, oh God. Lord, hallelujah, that you pour in the oil and the wine, God, like the good Samaritan, Lord God. You heal, you set free, you deliver. Hallelujah, Lord God. Lord, the road ahead may not be easy, but you're walking with us so we can take joy in that, Lord God, that the King of all creation, the God of all the earth, walks with us and talks with us and will lead us and guide us and your Holy Spirit is there to lead us into all truth, Lord God, and that you will surround them with believers and good influences, oh God. Hallelujah, that are going to help disciple, Lord God, and challenge and correct, oh God, Lord, and just encourage. We thank you for your word today. We thank you for your servant, Minister Veronica. Lord, we pray, God, that all that she has poured out, that you will pour back in by your Holy Spirit. 
Lord, and even more, O oh God, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, bless her in every single way, Lord God, spiritually, emotionally, physically, financially, Lord God, in relationships, everything, God. Lord, we thank you, and we thank you for your word, and we thank you that your word is acting and will continue to act. And for all this, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Somebody just give God praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Walk with this word. Hallelujah. And let it walk all over your heart, all over your mind, all over your spirit this week. Hallelujah. In fact, let, just raise your hands. Just raise your hands right now and say, Lord, let your word walk in my heart, in my mind, in my actions, in every situation this week. Let your word walk all over me, God. And change me and transform me into who you have created me to be. In Jesus' name, amen.